Hello everybody, Matt Hartman here in the mobile studio bringing you another episode of On the Road with the Race Nerd, a CKCC radio production. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for anybody who's listening first time, you know, finding this show through um, the Racers and Racing Happy Hour group on Facebook. Welcome all of you. Show. This is episode 95 right here, and uh, what's really cool is if everything lines up, episode 100 may be a special episode um, live from North Wilkesboro. If it all lines up correctly, um, or episode 101 may line up, it, it depends. Um, but anyway, thank you for joining in. Uh, and listening, uh, I do this show in the mobile studio, in the car, um, today, and April is distracted driving month, so I obviously do this show very safe, uh, I've got Bluetooth hooked up to my phone, and whatnot, so, um, I, I always stay safe behind the wheel when it comes to any kind of electronic device, including podcasting. So sometimes I do get facts wrong, and I'll apologize ahead of time. But for the most part, I try to be factually accurate. Um, some days it's harder than others. Um, I'm not going to lie. Some episodes are kind of harder than others. And also, you will get a little bit of... Um, background noise from the road or the car, uh, and I want to apologize ahead of time, I try to drown those out in, um, in editing and whatnot, and, and all, but sometimes it's hard to avoid, but let's move on, uh, you know, get past that, get into the first segment of the show uh, for new listeners. I always like to start off with what I call a pop quiz notes, and yes, I did borrow that line from the, the infamous uh, 21 Jump Street movie. Uh, I just thought it was great, and um, so pop quiz, or pop quiz notes in this case, is um, we all know who Chip Ganassi is. He is uh, one of the major... Uh, facets in ownership in um, IndyCar racing. Uh, he had a successful tenure in NASCAR as an owner and in the IMSA series in sports car racing. Multiple championships, um, certainly a very well-known name has won pretty much everything. Championships, Indy 500s, Daytona 500s, Brickyard 400s, 24 hours at Daytona, 24 hours at Le Mans, 12 hours at Sebring. The list of accolades Chip has won as an owner. Uh, no doubt um, Motorsports Hall of Fame um, caliber owner. This man who started off just driving an Indy car, uh, became one of the most well-known owners in the, 
in motorsports. Now, I want you guys to put on your thinking caps. You know, for those of you who are well-versed in um, NASCAR, and more importantly, IndyCar, I want you to think, who gave Chip not only his first Indianapolis 500 win as an owner, but also gave him his first ever championship? The answer will be at the end of the show. Oh boy. Alright, so let's just sit on that because we got four races to talk about. We have a lot of news to cover. A lot of news. And this is going to be some heavy, deep news. Um, but before we have all that, I do want to pass along our condolences to AJ Foyt, uh, who lost his longtime partner and best friend, his wife. Saturday, we would see 
yet another challenger to try to knock Austin Hill off the throne. Austin, who has obviously won three races this season. Uh, and, you know, he's kind of... cruising his way early on in the season two of this Xfinity Series title to this playoff thing. Well, he's joined in the playoffs by, obviously, Sammy Smith and um, John Hunter Nemechek, both of them for Joe Gibbs Racing. You know, they, they've picked up wins early in the season. A.J. Foyt, who is ineligible to um, run for the Xfinity Series title with his full-time Cup Series run. AJ won't factor into that, but AJ's teammate over at College Racing, Chandler Smith, um, makes history at Richmond, picking up his first career Xfinity Series win, and um, in, a, in a race that, when I think of Richmond, maybe maybe I'm wrong because I think of old Richmond where you would see Rex, you would see Wild, um, everything. This was. This weekend was definitely more of a pit strategy race. You did have some beating and banging, um, some cars wrecking and all, but this was more of a strategy deal, and um, and I enjoyed it. Uh, it. It made racing on the short tracks a little more cerebral, and um, I thought I thought it was I thought it was a good race. I'm not a Chandler Smith fan, but I'm happy for Matt Collick because, well, as we get to the news, you know, I, I think Collick Racing needs a little lift me up, and we'll uh, we'll we'll get to that. But uh, it was good. It was good to see um, the 16 car back in victory lane. Obviously, AJ uh, ran that car last year. Chandler's got it full time this year. Uh, so, I mean, that, that was really good to see. And um, that would set the precedent off of the weekend because we would have two first-time winners um, in these four races. So, not a bad average if you were a driver looking for your first-time win. Uh, so, we move on to Sunday, which... Would say Kyle Larson pick up his first win of the season. Uh, he would become the the second of the four Hendrick drivers to win this year. Uh, Kyle, who just got all of those points back, along with Alex Bowman and William Byron, got got their points reinstated, and we'll talk about that too. Um, at Circuit of the Americas last week. He locks himself into the playoffs with teammate William Byron. Um, and uh, not not to be outdone, Josh Berry, who is filled, who's been filling in for Chase Elliott while Chase is, I believe, still in Colorado. I know he was during Circuit of the Americas. I believe he's still in Colorado um, after having surgery on his leg. Josh picks up his 
best career finish in NASCAR's Cup Series with a runner-up finish. Uh, really good run. A lot of pitch strategy with this race, um, much like the Xfinity race. And I thought the racing was rather good. There were a couple of moments at the end of the race. Um, there was a little, there was some confrontations between Christopher Bell and William Byron. Um, Bell, who had spun Byron on the last lap of the race, the two of them had a little dust up after the race. No fists were thrown, no cars used as weapons um, on the on the um, cool down lap or anything like that. Uh, but Bell did admit, you know, he initially, prior to the replace, he thought he had a little help getting into William Byron from Ross Chastain. After seeing the replace, he owned up, he goes, now he goes, that wasn't Chastain. He goes, yeah, that was on me. And he owned up to that. So I, I do appreciate Christopher Bell for that. Um, not that I had any dog in the fight, but at least, you know, a driver taking ownership for something like that is, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a classy move, um, taking ownership for something like that. And it was, I don't think it was intentional even seeing the replays. It was just one of those racing incidents. So, um, we had that. But Larson locks his way into the playoffs. Be joined by Byron and Ricky Stenhouse. Reddick. I almost forgot. Uh, among others. So, we have all that. We move on to Texas, where, man, this, I think this is going to be shown for a while. Uh, the, the ending of this race, I know it's one that one young driver uh, searching for his first win will never forget. As, uh, in the truck series, Nick Sanchez for Rev Racing um, pretty much dominated this truck series race. Late race restart uh, after Dean Thompson, who was having the run of his career up in the top 10, uh, driving for Tricon Garage, uh, former David Gilland racing team. Um, he was involved in a wild wreck that saw him taken to the infield care center on a stretcher and um, whatnot. Dean, thankfully, will be alright. Uh, his number five truck, though, not so much. Um, hard hit for the journeyman driver. But uh, the ending shaped up to be Nick Sanchez, who was looking for his first win after two holds already this season in his first full-time run. Uh, last year's Marcus Series champion and Zane Smith, already a two-time winner on the Truck Series this year. And last year's Truck Series champion beating and banging that last, that last final lap. Um, they get into each other maybe have a little bit of help um, from Carson Hosevar. The two of them wreck as Carson Hosevar picks up his long-awaited first win in the truck series. Uh, Carson, who is a late model driver from the 
Midwest, you know, picks up that win. Uh, a long-awaited, you know, he, uh, and his post-race interview was great, you know, he, uh, this, this is a kid with a bright future, um, you know, same could be said about, uh, Chandler Smith, but I think this kid's definitely got a great future, um, in the sport, and he's, he's heartbreakingly lost so many races coming to this first W, but this was amazing, so I, um, hats off to Coast and Park Savar and Beast Motorsports for putting, uh, this truck under him, and, um, heartbreak, heartbreak for Nick Sanchez and Rev Racing, which, you know, in their first year in the series is actually Camelo Box, really impressive, and obviously Zane Smith, uh, continues to be impressive, very, Ford is very high up on him, in my opinion, him has changed, um, over the last couple of years from when he came into the sport, I think he also has a bright future. Um, some even suggesting that he may be the heir apparent to the four car uh, next year uh, over at uh, Stuart Haas, Kevin Harvick's ride. So um, we've got that. And as a wild as it finishes as it was, um, IndyCar did not disappoint either, as Indy obviously competing at Texas on one of their few oval races on their schedule. They visit the one and a half mile um, D-shaped track there in Fort Worth. And this race looked to be the Paddle Award Show. Uh, the Mexican driver for Errol McLaren Racing, sorry, I had to take a deep breath going around that turn. Um, had to had this race locked up. Um, the only driver that was able to kind of keep pace with him was Joseph Newgarden, um, and they were just lapping everybody. I mean, they were just tearing through that field. Um, but at the end of the day, Pato, you know, just dominated the race. But it was Joseph Newgarden. On the last lap, going into the last turn, overtakes Award for the lead, picks up his first win of the season, um, getting Team Penske back in the win column, and um, wow, it was it was something. I I caught most of it on IndyCar radio. Did see a little, did see the highlights for it, but man, that was certainly something, and. Hats off because these are these are two young guys uh, in IndyCar. Um, I'm talking about like drivers like Carson Carson Hosevar and Zane Smith and Nick Sanchez and Chandler Smith. I mean these guys have um, have quite a, a bright future in motorsports and NASCAR. You know these are stars today. Uh, IndyCar's got that with award and Newgarden. I know Newgarden's been around uh, a few years and he's got a couple of titles under his belt. Um, but this this really bodes well for um, both both ventures, IndyCar and NASCAR, you know, seeing these young talent and they are damn good. So I know motorsports racing is in good hands and um, I really I really like that. Um, 
but there was a lot of attrition in that IndyCar race. Not so much wrecking, but a lot of attrition. Takuma Sato uh, was out, and Takuma is, he's a two-time, two-time Indy 500 champion, I believe, um, but he was out. Graham Rahal, man, I, I, I don't know if Graham should pack it in at this point. He's running like Marco Andretti um, during late in Marco's IndyCar career. It, it's embarrassing, and I'm a Graham Rahal fan, and I'm just like, this is not good, dude. You're, you're like not even mid-pack at this point, but there was, it was it was a great race weekend, an exciting race weekend. It wasn't a total wreck fest. Um, obviously, we did have the wreck with um, Dean Thompson in the Truck Series race, and we did have the intentional spin of J.J. Yaley by Denny Hamlin, which I know has caused a little bit of controversy on, um, on social media and in certain NASCAR circles. Um, the intentional dump by um, Hamlin just and this is on the heels of him um, flat out dumping uh, Ross Chastain and announcing it on his podcast so um, but yeah great racing thankfully you know it wasn't marred by any accidents or anything else like that. But, uh, man, oh boy, now we move into the news. Okay. Hopefully you're buckled up for this because, man, this is a lot. Um, first off, uh, we have, might as well just tackle this head on. We've got penalties. Oh boy. Penalties, appeals, um, just everything else. Now, the last episode I talked about Hendrick Motorsports winning, kind of winning their appeal, um, having having their points deductions, the 100 points and the 10 bonus points reinstated by uh, the appeals board for NASCAR. I thought that was fair. Apparently, um, my opinion has changed over the last couple of days because Justin Haley, whose team got knocked for it, his 31 car got knocked for the same exact thing um, at the same exact track at Phoenix. The 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 levers. Uh, well, with lever gate with Haley, the penalty was upheld. His I believe it was 75 points for Haley, and um, the bonus points, obviously the fine, uh, the $100,000 fine, and the loss of crew chief Trent Owens for four races, um, those were all upheld. Now here's where I have a major issue, and I don't call, I don't, I try not to curse on this show a whole lot. Um, I do have a little bit of potty mouth, especially if you've ever heard some of the Patreon episodes. Um, I am going bullshit on the appeals board on this one because the ball was majorly dropped. Now, NASCAR has had a precedent for years 
pretty much since this next gen car debuted that any modification, anything um, not in spec, that they would hit you hard with these penalties because they want an even playing field. A very even playing field. We've seen how teams have manipulated the system in the past um, for many years and, and gotten these penalties, but they wanted to really increase it with this next-gen car. They want a, a truly even playing field for a lot of the teams, um, for all the teams, basically. And some teams will step out of that box. I know RFK Racing got nailed last year with some heavy penalties. Um, basically, came down really hard on them. Came down hard on Stuart Haas as well last year in the first year of the next-gen car. Well, those were situations where they were found at the track. Same thing with the lever system. Now, I know that a lot of people are like, well, why are, why did Hendrick get away with it and Haley in the 31 car for Colin Racing get nailed for the same thing and not have their penalties? I don't know. I don't know what the case is. Maybe Hendrick argued a better case. My issue is it's the same exact thing, the same exact weekend, same situation. Cars never took the track. And that was my issue initially with Hendrick Motorsports. The cars never took the track. They came off the hauler. They brought it up to NASCAR saying, hey, we've had issues with these levers in the hood. Um, this is what it is. They brought the attention to NASCAR. Same thing with Colleg Racing. The Colleg gets hit with the penalty and um yeah it just wasn't it wasn't good at all uh for the um college racing team what made it even worse is like i said we set this penalty this penalty that usually these penalties get upheld college motorsports had theirs upheld but hendrick for the same thing gets off on it. Um, they have their points uh, their points reinstated, but do not have the, um, still lose the monetary fine. I, I, I call BS on that because we all know Hendrick Motorsports has the financial resources to pay those four, um, those four major fines and have the resources, the manpower, to replace the four crew chiefs, which were also upheld um, for those four races. Uh, so obviously they have, they have, you know, former crew chiefs who could step into that role, car chiefs who could step into that role. Um, they have people who could step into that role, where Colleague is, is a... I'm not going to say they're an independent team, but they got they got a smaller budget. They're not um, they're not a a team which is scraping by from week to week whether they'll race. Um, but obviously, they don't have the budget of a Hendrick Motorsports. So um, I, that's that's where I find a massive issue right now. And um, I, I 
I just was not a, a, a fan of that one bit. So, we had that. I was already mad about that. Um, Denny Hamlin had his appeal uh, for his contact with Ross Chastain, which was additionally, initially, not additionally, initially billed as a racing incident until Denny went on to his podcast and flat out said that he dumped um, Ross Chastain intentionally, saying it was payback for all the dust-ups they had last season. And NASCAR hit him with that. The pretty much the um, unsportsmanlike conduct type thing, you know, the driver code policy in the NASCAR's ever-changing invisible handbook. There, their rule book. His penalty was upheld, um, and uh, I think that one rightfully so. And the reason why I say rightfully so, sorry about that little split-second delay there, uh, is because he flat-out admitted it, and um, I, I do believe there needs to be accountability. Now, obviously, everybody's saying that he's kind of an idiot for just flat-out saying that. I kind of agree. Um, obviously, he just put out a podcast, a quote-unquote emergency podcast, explaining the appeal um, policy and his whole thing. I didn't bother listening to it. You, you did the crime, now do the time. It'd be like, you could have got away with, it'd be like a criminal getting away with a crime, then bragging about it, and, um, he gets knocked on the door and gets, boom, in handcuffs. I mean, this wasn't an after-the-fact thing. This is, you screwed up by bragging about it. You know, he could have kept that to himself or talked about it with people privately, and that would have been that, instead of announcing it on a podcast. There are certain things you shouldn't, you know, just put right out into the open unless it's common knowledge, and no one wasn't common knowledge. I mean, there was no radio chatter, but, um, man, the, not a lot of brains on Denny on that one. Then, you know, obviously this past weekend, him dumping J.J. Yaley just kind of added more fuel to the fire for all the Denny haters. I mean, this is an intentional dump. We saw it uh, on the in-car camera. Um, and this is a driver who breaches uh, respect among the drivers and this and that. And he does something stupid like that. Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe NASCAR really needs to sit down with Denny. Maybe Joe Gibbs needs to sit down with Denny. I know people were calling that Michael Jordan removed Denny from the ownership thing. I don't think that's the case. Uh, especially if you know Michael Jordan and we're alive to see him play. Uh, Michael, uh, he, he, he had, there, there's a reason why he's the GOAT. It's not just was he a great basketball player, but he got in the people's heads. And I think Denny's... Uh, person in Denny's head the most right now is Denny, so, um, I think that this is kind of a, um, one of those, I don't want to say a moot point, but this is just asinine that this, that this happened like that, so, um, yeah, yep, but, um, 
two massive changes in, in terms of penalties and um, points. And I want to go over this. I don't have NASCAR made a change to their appeal policy. Thank the Lord, because uh, in the initial draft of the show, I had ideas on how to do this, to keep this. And I went to the extreme of um, starting to put little um, points on the team's charter for every time they do something um, egregious like what we saw with Hendrick or what we saw with Colleague, um, putting points on their charter because NASCAR has the right to revoke charters. Um, we know that um, because there was talk about teams who, which possibly may have their charter revoked by NASCAR and resold. Uh, usually that's for teams that are, you know, just kind of going out there and um, for better or worse, non-competitive teams, teams that, um, you know, are out of the top 35 in points, 36 in points, whatever the case is, and they have that right to revoke those after, I believe it's three years. Um, if they feel that there that there is no growth and that they're only doing it as kind of a business venture, not racing, um, but um, NASCAR NASCAR has that ability, so why not use that as an even more of a deterrent to keep this level playing field? I thought that was a little too extreme. Um, after listening to it back, that was starting to sound like the um, the tinfoil hat people on um, social media and um, some of the call-in shows on NASCAR's XM radio that were calling for like some kind of crazy stuff like this. Hearing stuff like Hendrick Motorsports should be banned for life, I wouldn't go that far. But we've seen time and time again. Um, teams do something and sometimes they'll win the appeal, most times not, or they'll have the appeal modified. Um, don't get me wrong, had, had they not um, done the 31 team dirty and with the previous appeal um, of Hendrick, you know, I probably wouldn't be all upset if they uh, modify the appeal, you know, bringing it down from the 100 points to the 75 points that um, that Haley got for that. Um, obviously, there's different appeals panels. Uh, it's a rotating panel that hears these cases, so it's not the same appeals crew. I know Shauna Robinson was one of the members on the appeal board for Haley's um, Peel and uh, Lynn St. James um, was on the one for the Denny Hamlin appeal. I did see those. Um, but NASCAR, NASCAR thankfully realizing that there was a major issue with this appeal system, uh, came up with their own. And I really do dig this. Um, NASCAR, obviously, after having egg on their face with this whole um, lever gate involving uh, Hendrick Motorsports, has made a change to their rules policy involving appeals that um, the appeals board is 
able to modify the penalties, you know, whether it be financial or suspensions or even um, points, but they're not able to rescind. So they could have, with this new policy, they would be able to um, modify a 100-point penalty, bring it down to like a 50 or a 25, or even increase it if they need be. And, um, but not completely rescind it, not completely rescind a financial, um, penalty. So a hundred dollars, a hundred thousand dollars can be bumped down to $50,000 or modified to a higher amount if they, if they deem, uh, it too egregious. So, um, they can do that. And I think that's the right way to do it. Um, NASCAR will also, um, be posting the names of the, um, the appeals board members when they hear that uh and they're doing all that so i i do like that um hold some accountability uh with these teams instead of being completely off the hook um so there there are set uh minimums and maximum ranges in the um in the their policy um so all three, all three, uh, all three points, whether it be monetary, fines and suspensions, and points, um, must remain. So there will be some kind of points penalty or monetary penalty, what is handed down by NASCAR, but they can't remove parts of it. So I, I really do like that, um, and, um, they will have justification for rescinding the policy. If 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 there's a policy where there is something wrong and NASCAR, it's some they can do something. I mean, but this was a this was a massive um, breach right here. Um, so we have that. Oh boy! And speaking of penalties, oh you bet there is going to be some and I'm wondering if some of these were kind of thrown um, at Hendrick uh, in case I'm I'm not going to speculate saying that that's what it was but uh, there were some post-race penalties from Richmond um, and I can actually look these up because I am parked so just so you know um, there was Penalties handed down to Alex Bowman and William Byron um, following inspection at, after Richmond at NASCAR's R&D Center. Um, there was um, engineering change on the greenhouse area of the car uh, to both the 24 and 48 teams. Uh, the crew chiefs, Brian Camp and Greg Ives, both of those who are filling in for uh, Randall Burnett and, uh, crap, I'm trying to think of, um, the new crew chief for, the crew chief for Al Alex Bowman's full-time crew chief, uh, both of those drivers, both of those crew chiefs are, who are already suspended, um, their, their fill-ins are suspended now for two races, uh, the teams were both fined $75,000 a piece, and, 
they were assessed the loss of 60 points in five playoff points. Now, with Bowman it won't hurt as much as he's already locked himself into the playoffs with his two wins this year, but this puts a hurting on Alex Bowman, who has been hot all season long uh, despite not winning. Um, so, obviously, with this new penalty, uh, with this new appeal process, uh, rules, and whatnot, yeah, this is going to hurt um, Hendrick. Obviously, they they kind of got a mulligan or a gimme on that uh, on Levergate there, but they certainly are not off the hook on this one. Uh, so it was a greenhouse modification along with um, penalties to uh, for the parts and assembly uh, engineering change log. Um, that these were not changed in, in these logs because NASCAR will look at these logs um, to see what had been done. Um, obviously, that this um, that this whole thing, but it was hmm, you could say it's NASCAR kind of sticking it to them, but I think that this is kind of well, you know, you played outside the box once again after you got after you got a. Uh, after you got off on this penalty, so we're going to hit you, and, you know, I feel no sympathy right now for Hendrick Motorsports. I do feel sympathy a little bit for, um, for college racing, getting screwed over on that deal, but, um, move on. Those weren't the only penalties of the weekend, this is in the truck series, the Nick Sanchez truck, uh, for Rev Racing, along with both the KBM's trucks, Chase Purdy, who finished third in that truck series event at Texas, that wild finish. And Jack Wood were both penalized for um, the oil reservoir tank um, and assembly of that now. Um, while Rev Racing is its own team and separate from KBM, um, their trucks are all built in the Kyle Busch Motorsports shop. Um, so they all three got dinged right across the board, um, losing... 10 owner and 10 driver points. Uh, I'd rather have a 10.1 than something, you know, like a 60 or a 100, which can, you know, pretty much kill your season because you can make up that 10 driver and owner points. Uh, so um, we have all that. Uh, Hendrick said that they are reviewing the penalties issued and will determine the steps following this upcoming weekend's Bristol race. Um if I were them, I'd just kind of shut my mouth, take the penalties, um, and just go from there. Uh, but last but not least, we do have some good news to end the show with, and that is that Ron Caps, um, funny car drag racing champion, will um, be competing in the SRX series at Eldora. Now Ron, who is known for just driving in a straight line really fast, will be running the SRX series uh, at Eldor, where he has run some dirt races, predominantly um, the Prelude to the Dream, which used to be held before um, uh, the world-famous dirt race, the Eldora Dream. Uh, Ron was one of the, the celebrity drivers in that field, which featured mostly NASCAR drivers. 
um, but Ron would do this, and um, yeah, he was pretty good at it. He was pretty decent, held his own. Uh, so it's so great to see him in the SRX series uh, competing at Eldora as they kind of branch out from just uh, guys from stock car and, you know, the roots of people in um, that Tony Stewart and Ray Abraham have competed with. You know, we got IndyCar guys. We had Ernie Francis who came over from the Trans Am series and lit the world on fire. Um, pretty much got himself into Indy Lights just by what he was able to do in the SRX series. So um, we have all that. Uh, man, that was a packed show. Talk about a lot of penalties. Um, but we're going to wrap it up with the answer to this week's pop quiznos. And that was which, um, which driver gave Chip Ganassi his first Indy 500 and championship as an ownership role in racing. And that driver is none other than the 1989 PPG Indy car card series champion and the 1989 Indy 500 winner, the legendary Emerson Fittipaldi. Um, Chip, who was a part owner along with Pat Patrick um, brought Chip to Victory Lane. Now Chip wasn't a full owner at that point as Pat Patrick was getting out of the sport and sold majority of his team to Chip um, but was still listed as the owner per um, IndyCar per cart rules. Um, so I mean Technically, it is still his first Indianapolis 500 win as an owner. Um, this has come from Chip's mouth, and I've actually did the research on this with some IndyCar stuff that I have looked up. Chip was an owner, so this is a legit answer. Now, I know that people are like, no, it was a Jimmy Vassar with the first championship, and uh, I think Juan Pablo with the first Indy 500 win. But this, but this does go down in in books and in um, racing reference that he was uh, co-owner with with that chip would not become a hundred percent owner of the team until after the 89 season when in 1990 he would bring Eddie Cheever and target to the team target who would be a long time sponsor have a very fruitful relationship with Chip Ganassi, multiple wins, Indy 500s, um, stuff of that sort, and um, wow, I mean that was that was certainly something. And uh, I've always I've always kind of appreciated Chip because he he's a no nonsense guy, and I really think that if you want a lot of insight, not only on Chip Ganassi but the IndyCar and NASCAR worlds and and everything, go listen to Dale Jr.'s. Um, the Dale Jr. download that had Chip Ganassi on it. I, I found that one very, very fascinating. I'm not big in plugging other shows unless it's deservedly so, and this one's definitely deservedly so. It, it's a great listen. Um, so, with that said, we got Bristol this weekend for the Trucks and the Cup Series. Xfinity has the weekend off. And they will be back at Martinsville in two weeks. 
Then we also have IndyCar, which is off for a little bit, and then we'll, we'll start getting ready for the, the month of May at Indy with qualifying and um, culminating the day before Memorial Day with the Indianapolis 500. Uh, one of the few races I I still have on my bucket list I have not been to. Um, been to the Brickyard, but not for the 500. So, uh, with that said, I'm Matt Ardman. This is the Race Nerd Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all of you who are tuning in for the first time via the Racers and Racing Happy Hour uh, Facebook group. Uh, until next time, I'm Matt Hardman, and I'll see you at the track.